Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Then the tempter approached him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. But Jesus answered, It is written, Man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Can we stand and pray together? Good morning, everyone. It's good to be together, isn't it? Good to come together and worship. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for, again, the gift of your grace. Thank you that we can just come and sing together and sing of your goodness and of your grace and can gather around your word. And we pray, Lord, that your word will renew us today. We pray our minds, our hearts will be renewed as we gather around, uh, gather around your word. Bless us, Lord, we pray. I pray for uh, this people. I pray for our congregation. I, Lord, no doubt as we gather, there are people here who are walking through any number of different life issues and circumstances, and there may be some troubled hearts and minds and some anxiety here today. And I just pray, God, that you would just draw very near uh, to people here in this place. May we, Lord, rest in you. Uh, may we find you, Lord, to be that source of life and joy in each of our hearts. So bless this, your people, Lord. Thank you for the assurance that you're working in each of our lives, Lord, even in ways in which we cannot see or yet understand. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. And so bless us, Lord, together we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Just a reminder that you're invited to stay and join us for uh, lunch after the service. A little later on, we're going to share in communion together. And as we do on the, every communion Sunday, we uh, stay behind for lunch. And so you're invited to do that. And if this is your first time with us, please stay and be our guest today for lunch as we share in fellowship together. Uh, coming up in a couple of weeks, we're about to launch another Alpha session, uh, another round of Alpha. And if you're not familiar with Alpha, Alpha is a great program, a great ministry for, to help people explore Christianity. And so uh, maybe you've got questions about Christianity, uh, maybe you're exploring, you know, the person of Jesus, and this is a great, uh, a great place to come and learn and ask questions and, 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 and uh, explore the, the, the fundamentals of, of our faith. And so March 12th, Thursday, March 12th, we'll be getting Alpha again. Uh, come and share a meal. There's a video teaching, table discussion. And so uh, we invite you to come. And maybe, maybe uh, those of you are here and, and you might think 
of someone who needs to take this. Or maybe you've got a friend or a coworker who you think would be interested in this. And so I'd just to challenge you about who you might be able to invite or nudge or tap on the shoulder and maybe bring them uh, to this next, uh, this next season of uh, Alpha. So just to put that... Uh, on your radar to be praying about that and maybe consider who uh, might benefit from, uh, from taking in this next Alpha session on, on beginning on Thursday, March the 12th. So we're beginning uh, today a new five-week sermon series uh, that we've called Habits of Grace. And it's a series designed for this season leading up to Easter. Of course, on the Christian uh, liturgical calendar, this season is called Lent. This 40-day season leading up to Easter. And people have different practices during this season and, and different motivations for these Lenten practices. If, if, you're, uh, if you're on social media or on the, on the good old Twitter box, you'll see lots of people talking about Lent and Lenten practices. And, and so it's a, it's a bit of a special season for a lot of people. And this season leading up to Easter can be a unique season of intentionality. Perhaps God is calling you towards himself in, in a fresh way, calling you to uh, maybe embrace new practices or to rediscover practices that maybe are inactive. And it could be from this unique season that might grow a, a new rhythm for you, a new grace-paced rhythm uh, of life. Let me show you a piece of paradise. Literally a piece of paradise. So this picture is actually our former home in paradise. Literally, if you're visiting with us today, Angela and I and our family moved here from paradise. The town of Paradise, located just outside the capital city of Newfoundland and Labrador, the city of St. John's. And so this here is just a, a view from, our, from what was our front deck in Paradise. And there's this lovely view of Octagon Pond. And it's a greater view when my neighbors don't park their trucks in the driveway. Uh, it's, a, it's, a much, it's, a, it's, it's an even greater view of this, of this pond. And... And uh, this pond has, has a lot to offer, you know. There's been many, uh, many mornings spent uh, out, out looking over that pond, sometimes in the evening as the sun is setting, looking out over that pond, and sometimes just enjoy. Angela and I would sit uh, just uh, on the front of that, uh, on, the, on the deck there, and those chairs that have actually now moved not to Paradise, but to West Mountain, uh, and, uh, and just looking out over, over the pond. And I was thinking about, you know, this pond as I was thinking about this series because, you see, the pond was always there, but it was just waiting for me to pause and notice it. I mean, the pond was there. The beauty of the pond, just looking out over it, that's all, it was always there. Often what it just was waiting for was for me to pause and, and take, take notice. That's really the heart behind this series. We, we want to draw you into habits of grace 
spiritual disciplines, if you will, practices that help put us in a position to receive and experience more of His grace, to experience a a greater sense of God's presence. And through these practices, we create space to appreciate what is always there, and that's God's presence. I mean, he's here. He's with you. His presence is here. But often it's these practices that create the space to appreciate his presence. I want us to think more today about this idea of renewal. And and I want to to think about this season leading up to Easter really as a season of renewal. And I would suggest that there are habits, there are spiritual practices that can really help put us in the path of God's renewing presence. And so with that in mind, I'm inviting you to turn with me in your Bible to Ephesians, the third chapter. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. So today we'll kind of set the table for, for, this, uh, for this series and and uh, Ben, uh, our, our intern, is going to help us out in this series. Jesse is going to speak to us in this series and share about some uh, different habits of grace, different spiritual practices over these next few weeks. Ephesians chapter 3, we'll begin reading in verse number 14. So for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. I really think this is a great prayer of renewal. And um, the, the first thing I want us to notice is that this prayer is rooted in a specific concern. In verse 14, Paul begins and says, you know, for this reason, I bow my knees. And so that's a, that's a linking phrase. And so Paul is kind of resuming his prayer of intercession that he began earlier in this letter on behalf of the Ephesians. It's a prayer that he began back in the first chapter. And, and there's three times in this letter where he, Paul says, you know, for this reason. And each time it flows out of a, 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 a specific thing about God's work of grace. You know, back in chapter one, it's out of the abundance of the spiritual blessings that are ours in Christ. Paul says, for this reason reason, and I offer this prayer, and 
Then, of course, in typical fashion, he gets sidetracked and goes on writing about other things. And then in chapter 3, verse 1, he returns and, and says, you know, out of, the, out of the abundance of the grace of God in saving you for this reason. And then he, he resumes and then he gets sidetracked and writes something else. And then we come to our text in verse 14 of chapter 3. And because of the power of God and the role of the church, uh, he says, for this reason. And then finally, he then goes on to, to offer this prayer. But in addition to these things, I think we also have to add to this the temptation of his readers to lose heart. Look at verse 13. Ephesians 3:13, right before our text, Paul says this: So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. And then he says, for this reason, and then we move into the prayer. And so it seems that Paul is kind of moved to pray because he's concerned that the Ephesian believers might be tempted to lose heart. Ever felt like that, that you're, you're kind of losing heart? Maybe you feel like that today, you know, you're, you're losing heart, you're losing, you're losing hope. You know, this concern is expressed throughout the Scripture. Um, back in Luke chapter 18, there's a parable that is rooted in a concern of Jesus that his followers always pray and not lose heart. We could go to Galatians, another letter in, in 6 and 9. It says, let us not grow weary of doing good. And we could go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 where again it says, don't grow weary. And so Paul is, 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 seems to be praying out of this concern that this, this particular group of believers were, were losing heart. And so let, let's affirm that God gives spiritual life. And, and while God gives spiritual life, we tend to drift toward lifelessness. And, and we sometimes grow weary, and we grow weary for a variety of reasons. John Piper says that God is the decisive giver of all spiritual life. And on the other hand, humans, even those of us who are saved and part of God's covenant family, from time to time we drift into a kind of lifelessness and, and, and lethargy and backsliding and indifference and weakness. And so when you put these two realities together, you have the need for renewal, for reviving, for coming back to life, for for this fresh encounter with God's life-giving spirit. I was reading, reading through the book of Revelation um, earlier this week, and at the beginning of chapter 2, there is this recorded message to the church at Ephesus. Many of you would be familiar with that. And, and I think the content of this message shines a light on this, this, this need for renewal. And not just personal renewal, but, but corporate renewal. We have this message to this church 
probably around 44 years after the church was established. And so how was this church doing after, after four decades of ministry? And we won't take the time to actually read it, but in Revelation chapter 2, if, when you want to read that some other time, you'll remember that, that they're commended for their doctrinal purity. They're, they're commended for their good deeds, for their good theology. They're praised for their orthodoxy, you know, for right belief and for standing for truth. And so this church was contending for good things, good deeds, right belief, truth, tradition. But, but there was a growing deficiency. And that's expressed in Revelation chapter 2 verse 4 where the message says, I have this against you that you have abandoned the love you had at first. And so some, some 40 years later, this church, while praised for its orthodoxy, for its right belief, was was confronted about its failure to love. And as I think about that, you know, I, I think about how Paul ended his letter to the Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 6, listen to how Paul ends the letter. Peace be to the brothers and, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus with love incorruptible. Paul ended the letter with a call for the believers to love each other and to love God with an incorruptible love. At, at the heart of Paul's prayer for the Ephesians in chapter 3, which we're going to get to, at the heart of this prayer is abounding love. It's knowing God as the all-loving and all-powerful Father and putting down roots into that love. Or as N.T. Wright says, having that love as the rock-solid foundation for every aspect of one's life. So I want us to ground ourselves in this prayer for renewal as we begin this sermon series and enter into this season of, of renewal. And, and as we consider um, aspects of this re renewal prayer, I want us, to, want us to take note of three things. First of all, in verse 14, notice the posture of Paul in prayer. Now, there are all different ways to pray. There are different postures to pray. But we'll note here, we, we note that Paul says he, he's on his knees. Now, why does Paul mention his posture, and what does this posture uh, communicate? Uh, maybe you have a particular posture in which you like to pray. I'm, I'm kind of a, a walker. Uh, I, I, I often like to pace uh, when I pray. And so if I'm uh, in my office and maybe the door is shut, I could be in just walking around or pacing about. And, and that's just something that, that helps me. You, you may have other, you, know, you, you may like to kneel. You, you may have a favorite chair. I mean, who, who knows? There are different ways. But Paul here mentions the fact, he, he, he shines a light on his posture that, that he's praying. And it, it's we know that a lot of people in Paul's day actually stood to pray. And so we have this sense that there's a sense of urgency here uh, for Paul. That there, there, this, is, this is a significant uh, moment for him that he's wrestling with. And so he's on his knees. Notice posture. The second thing we'll know that this prayer is rooted in the, in the complete sovereignty of God. You know, in verses 14 and 15, it talks about, you know, the, the sovereign creator and Lord of all, that God is the author of all spiritual life, and that he's the one who sustains and saves and, and, and preserves and gives revival and renewal. 
And so really when we talk about the sovereignty of God, what we really mean is that there's no limit to God's rule. And so we note the posture, we note this prayer is rooted in in the sovereignty of God, and we also note that Paul's confidence is rooted in the riches of God's glory. You'll note that he says, according to God's glorious riches. And so Paul's request for spiritual strength, for renewal, is anchored in the otherworldly resources of God's glory and grace. And so where, you know, where is our trust and confidence in prayer? And so as, as we pray, may we, may our only appeal be to the, to the all-sufficiency of, of God. So what does Paul pray? Well, what does this renewing prayer consist of? And I'm so thankful that we have prayers like this actually recorded in the Scripture because these prayers help me in my own prayer life. A lot of times, you know, you may you say, I, I, I wanna, I'm going to pray today, and you, you set aside this time, and you may, you, know, you, you may struggle with, okay, well, what do I say now? How, what, do, what do I actually say to God? And we have these recorded prayers that can really help us. We could just open up our Bibles and just and, and, and take these prayers and actually pray these prayers on behalf of people. So what does he pray? Well, the first thing Paul prays for is for spiritual strength. In verse 16, he says that according to the riches of, of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So Paul prays for renewed strength. And this prayer for renewed strength is rooted in the fact that even those of us who are saved can drift into a kind of weakness and indifference. I mean, it happens to individuals, it happens to me, it happens to, it happens to churches. We, we, we need to pray for renewal of strength. I think of the prophet Isaiah who, who says, you know, that even, even, even young, vibrant, healthy uh, people uh, grow weary and they're in need of their strength to be renewed by, by waiting upon God. And so Paul is praying that they may be equipped with power to stand firm in Christ, to be equipped with power to live for Christ and to work for Christ. And so this is not a prayer for the absence of difficulties, but for renewing inner strength to endure. And so we need to be praying this for each other. And so the next time when you're lost for words, for what to pray, go to Ephesians chapter 3 and, and pray for renewing strength for, for a friend or for your church. And so we pray that for each other. Well, what else does Paul pray for? Uh, Paul prays for Christ to dwell in their hearts. Verse 17, he says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, the word dwell here is rather significant. And really, the connotation here is that it's contrasting a, a temporary dwelling from a place of permanent residence or, or the difference between making a short-term visit versus moving in. Because when you move in, you do so with an eye toward making long-term changes. We might, we might frame it in the difference between maybe renting 
uh, a home that's more of a short-term arrangement than actually maybe owning a home that is now becoming yours. These are different, right? I mean, for the first time uh, in our lives since we were first married, we're renting a home. And, and there's, there's a different feel to that. You know, we, we, in case my landlord is listening, we are taking good care uh, of this home. We are treating it like it is ours, but, but it doesn't have the same feel. We, we know that we, we don't own this, and we're, we're not really sure how long we're, we're going to be in this home. And there are things about this home that certainly if we owned it, I, I've got a feeling we'd be saying, or Angela would be saying, we, we should do something about this. You know, we, we, we should fix this. We, we, should, we should change the paint color here. We should, we should replace these, these old doors or, or whatever. You, you have a different mentality when, you, when, you, when you're, you're in this place for the long haul. You, you own it. You, you have an eye towards making this a home, towards making long-term changes. And you don't have that same mindset when you're in a, a short-term rental situation. But again, for my landlord, we are treating this home very well. <laughs> Paul is praying that Christ would dwell in their hearts. For Christ to find his home. For Christ's presence to be a welcomed presence. And so you get the sense that Paul is praying for a comprehensive spiritual renovation of our lives. For when Christ, by the Spirit, makes himself at home, when he comes to dwell, he is constantly renovating our hearts. It's like he go, he's going room by room by room, renewing us and renovating us. And this really captures the heart and essence of renewal. Paul is praying that Christ would dwell, that there would be this welcomed presence of Christ in our lives as he renews us and, and, and renovates us. So he prays for spiritual strength. He prays for Jesus to dwell in their hearts. And then he prays for abounding love, verses 17 to 19, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. At the heart of this prayer for renewal is the indwelling of Christ by faith and a firm establishing of our lives which leads to a greater understanding of God and more specifically an understanding of the vastness of the love of God. 
As someone said, the definite goal to which the Christian life must move is to know the love of Christ. And Paul wants his readers to feel under their feet the solid foundation of God's unchanging, unending love for us. He wants them to be settled and secure in God's love. And at the heart of renewal, personal and corporate renewal, is that we might know in ever increasing measure, Christ's presence and love. Note the metaphors Paul uses in verse 17. He talks about being rooted and grounded in love, rooted and established. And so there's this agricultural and architectural metaphor. And so someone has pointed out that like trees, our lives are to send down roots deep and wide into the soil of love. But then like buildings, the edifices of our lives here on earth are to have deep, solid foundations of love. And so I I just want us to understand that, that, that to understand that the love of Christ is structurally central in this prayer. The love of God is the wellspring of life, and the love of God is the motivating force in the life of a believer. There is no renewal without our hearts being captured and captivated by the love of God. The love of Christ brings movement. I'm just reminded, I know we've got, uh, our, our kids are in the service, and I'm reminded of a, of a song I used to sing in Sunday school, and I don't know if you're, but it, it talked about the love of God being so high you can't get over it, so low you can't get under it, so wide you can't get around it. Did anyone know that chorus? Oh boy, we, 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 all, we all know that, that chorus. Who, 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 know, who remembers it? All right. Jesus' love is very wonderful, Jesus' love is very wonderful, Jesus' love is very wonderful, oh, wonderful love. And it's so high, can't get over it, so low, can't get under it, so wide, can't get around it, oh, wonderful love. All right. So we know that chorus. That's a chorus that it's so old, it's brand new. Right? It, it, it's so old, it could be on the latest Hillsong album or something, right? And everyone says, oh man, that's so that's so amazing. It's that's you know, it's one of those things that it's so old, so that, that's that, it, it's the love of God. It, it's it's so high, it's so wide, it's so you, you, we can't fathom the the vastness of, of God's love. Now, where, where was I? Where, where are we? Needing God's love. Thank you. Someone is listening. That's encouraging. You go, you get a bowl of soup first, all right? Uh, Paul prays that we would know the love of God because it's God's love that controls our affections and actions. 
Paul prays for growth of a prevailing love for Jesus, and we need that as well. Without love, we have no power to do what God requires. It's it's, it's a growing, overwhelming love for Christ that stirs uh, an overcoming power to live for Christ and to defeat sin. And any hope for transformation and renewal rests on the foundation of the assurance of God's love. And so deep within this Renewal prayer is the desire for the loveliness of Jesus to fill the vision of our souls. Verse 18, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of God's love. And so may this love be the rock-solid foundation for every aspect of one's life. So, so in this season of, of, of Lent, this, what I hope we view as a season of renewal, may we be renewed as the loveliness of Jesus fills the vision of our souls. May we, as Paul prays at the end of verse 18, may we be filled with all the fullness of God. Man, what a prayer. God's heart toward us is for our renewal. And there, there, is, there is a need for church renewal in every age. There's a need for renewal because there's always a need for healthy, fruitful, great commissioned churches. Let's, let's listen carefully to what the Spirit is saying to us. So we begin this series called Habits of Grace rooted in this desire for renewal, flowing out of this prayer uh, of Paul for, for renewal. And over the coming weeks, we're going to be talking about some spiritual practices that help us, that help put us in the path of God's renewing presence. These practices are truly habits of grace, for it is God's first work that only makes our effort possible. Because God's grace not only is about forgiveness, it's about transformation. God's grace moves towards us, not just to forgive us, but then to empower us to live for Him, and it empowers our transformation. And, and this, is, this is not about twisting God's arm. This is not about manipulation or reducing God's renewing presence to some formula or method. This is about putting ourselves in the path of God's ongoing work. This is about taking steps of grace-empowered effort and initiative. It's like, um, it's like author David Mathis writes. He says, I can flip a switch, but I don't provide the electricity. I can turn on a faucet, but I don't make the water flow. There will be no light and no liquid refreshment without someone else providing it. And so it is for the Christian with the ongoing grace of God. His grace is essential for our spiritual lives, but we don't we don't control the supply. We can't make the favor of God flow, but He has given us circuits to connect and pipes to open expectantly. There are paths along which He has promised His favor. 
Our God is lavish in his grace. He is free to liberally dispense his goodness without even the least bit of cooperation and preparation on our part. And thank God he often does. But he also has his regular channels. And we can routinely avail ourselves of these revealed paths of blessing or neglect them to our detriment. And so because we stand in need of renewal, I'm inviting us as a church to put ourselves in the path of God's renewing work. And as I think about my need and our need for renewal, I was moved by uh, the surprising analogy that James K.A. Smith uses of sleep to help us think about spiritual awakening and renewal in our lives and in our churches. And, and James Smith uses the analogy of catching sleep and catching renewal, or catching sleep and catching revival. For example, I can't choose to go to sleep right now. Go ahead, go to sleep. Or maybe some of you wake up. Go ahead, go, go to sleep. Make a decision right now to go to sleep. I, 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 cannot, I cannot choose to fall asleep. The best I can do is put myself in a posture and a rhythm that welcomes sleep. And we all have a rhythm. Maybe you think of your own, you've got a practice, you've got a habit, right? And so I don't know what that involves. Maybe some of you wear a a thing that blocks out all the sun, and maybe you've got some sort of uh, ambient music that plays on your, on your phone. Maybe you've all got a rhythm. You've got a certain way that you, you lie down in the bed first, and then you may go to the... You've, everyone's got a rhythm. You see, you, you can't choose to go to sleep, but what you can do is, is you, can, you can put yourself in a posture and a rhythm that helps you fall asleep. Sleep is not something under my control control or at my beck and call, but I welcome sleep by putting myself in the posture of a sleeper. Now, a lot of people find this a wonderful posture to fall asleep. I, I, I get it. I get it. The pastor comes up, gets through his introduction, and then you just settle in and you do your thing. Yeah, I understand. I always tell people, if you're going to fall asleep in church, just put your head down and go to sleep. If not, you know, you've got this, you've got this head thing going on. It's totally distracting, and you're going to hurt your neck. So when that comes, just put your head down and go to sleep. Everyone will be much better for it. Sleep is a gift to be received, not a decision to be made. And yet it is a gift that requires a posture of reception, a kind of active welcome. And entirely by God's grace, the Holy Spirit moves upon us in renewing power as we put ourselves in the posture of discipleship. Longing for renewal and revival is a posture of reception. It's a kind of active welcome. And that's my invitation to us in this season. May we put ourselves in a posture of reception. 
reception, a posture of active welcome. And I would suggest that the work of posturing a church for welcoming the Spirit's work of renewal is the slow work of listening and prayer and fighting for thankfulness and gathering to sing and bearing one another's burdens, walking in the Spirit, seeking the fullness of the Spirit. And as John Stark writes, as the Lord wills, He brings fruit, and occasionally He intensifies the fruit to surprising levels of joy and rapture, and I wait and pray for Him to do it again. May God renew our cooling affections. And may we come to see in such greater depth that God's banner over us is love. And may that move us and may it shape us. Someone said that movements start when the founder really knows God and that movements die when the people only know the founder. You could substitute no with love in that same quote. Movements start when the founder really loves God. But movements die when the people only love the founder. J.I. Packer rightly notes, I think, that many of us Western evangelicals, we can smell unsound doctrine a mile away. But he says, where is the fruit of our personal experience of God? Where is our abounding love for God overflowing in our love for each other and our love for our city and the world? And so in light of that, we invite you through exploring certain spiritual habits, habits of grace, to put yourself in the path of God's renewing presence. Amy and worship team, Jesse, come and come back. And so this is the heart behind this series. We want to draw you into habits of grace, practices that can help create space for us to really appreciate and experience what is always there. And that's God's presence. His renewing presence. Over the coming weeks, there are going to be several ways in which we're going to invite you to do that. And, of course, one of the ways is by, through this sermon series. And, and as I said, Ben and, and Jesse are going to come throughout um, sharing this, this preaching series with me. And, and you'll hear about different spiritual practices and, and certain spiritual habits uh, some of them may be new to you. Others uh, may have been practices that you are familiar with or maybe practices that you need to kind of rekindle in your life. And so we invite you to, to come and listen to us and to these guys just expound upon these habits. Uh, there will be, be a section on our website where there will be certain resources that uh, we'll be sharing, uh, maybe certain helps. Uh, uh, there'll be a, a, a prayer guide for this season of Lent there and other, other things that will be posted there throughout the month of March. And so be, be looking for that this week on, on our website. 
Over the last number of, uh, of weeks, um, as I've been thinking about this, I've just felt uh, kind of nudged on several times to uh, have some uh, special evenings of, uh, of prayer and, and also fasting. And um, that's going to be something that's going to be talked a little bit about in, in, in one of the messages in this series. And so I'm, I'm, inviting, I'm inviting you to join me in the atrium uh, for some special hours of worship and prayer, March 4th, 11th, and 25th. The information's in your uh, bulletin. And I know, you know, we have regular growth groups that are ongoing. And, you know, we recently did a, a survey, which we'll talk more about uh, in the future. But it was cool to see how prayer is such an important part of, uh, of our regular uh, growth groups. But I just felt kind of nudged to call for some extra times of the church gathering uh, for prayer. And so on these Wednesday evenings, uh, I'll invite you to join me again in the atrium for, for some worship and, and prayer. And as well, uh, you might want to consider for the month of March joining me and others uh, in fasting and praying on Wednesdays. Um, you might, you might, maybe, maybe you can start, maybe there's a meal, one meal you can fast, uh, maybe there's an all day you want to fast and pray, again, someone will be talking about that, maybe there's some other form of fasting you want to embrace on Wednesdays, but just as, as a corporate call, I'm inviting you to do that, there, there's, there's a guide for that, uh, that will be on our website, also available this morning on the welcome desk on your way out, if, if that's something you're feeling nudged to join us in. There's a guide there to help you uh, how to pray uh, for our church during the month of um, the month of March. Thank you, Lord, that you are here with us. That, Lord, you are here present with us through the power of your Spirit. Lord, I pray that you will renew us today, God. Renew our hearts and renew our mind. Lord, I pray for spiritual strength for each person. I pray for strength that we would not lose heart. I pray for strength for us individually as families and as a church. Lord, strengthen us by the power of your Spirit. I pray, Lord, that you will dwell among us, Lord. That there would be a welcomed place for you in our lives and in this church. That you will dwell in us by faith. And Lord, I pray that you will give us the power to understand your love, that we would abound in love for you and mutual love one for another. And I pray over these coming weeks as we look forward to the celebration of Easter, I pray, Lord, that each of us will make, be intentional about putting ourselves in the path of your ongoing work. Lord, renew us renovate our hearts, shape us as individuals, but Lord, shape us as a church. God, may our ears be open to what your Spirit is saying to us. May we hear clearly, 
and have the courage to respond. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your abounding love. And now, Lord, as we move into the atrium and share in a meal together, bless this food to our bodies. Bless our fellowship and discussion and, and just continue to grow us into the people of God you want us to become. We give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name, everyone said together, Amen. God bless you, everyone.